This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Trent Dalton, welcome to Better Reading. Cheryl, it's so great to chat and um, it's kind of a bit of a ray of sunshine in my world talking to you, (laughs) Cheryl. So um, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I mean, we've had a few chats over the years, haven't we? We really have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this week, I think, did Boys Swallows Universe hit 500,000 units in sales? It sure did. It sure did. Uh, Wednesday, I got a call and uh, and it was from the people at HarperCollins. They send these cryptic emails sometimes, right, Cheryl? They go, and it happens at about 10 a.m. They go, Trent, we've got a big announcement this afternoon. We'll email you before we announce it. And I'm like, and, it, and you always love those emails. They're really exciting. But yeah, this one, you don't know what it's going to be. It can be like, oh, hey, uh, Joel Edgerton's interested in your book or something like that. And then uh, this one was pretty, pretty magic because, you know, well, Cheryl, when we first spoke, right, you, and thank you, the whole Better Reading community is such a part of that milestone, massive part of it, because I just remember coming into your amazing office down there and, and just chatting to you and you were so beautiful about it and kind of, you know, you were kind of really encouraging in the sense like I didn't know what that thing was or what it was going to be and I was just honoured to be talking to people like you and uh, and you're like, hey, mate, it's all right. It's all right. I think it might do something and 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 it really encouraged me and made me think, oh, hang on, maybe it could go somewhere. And But no way in my wildest dreams would I have thought that 500,000 people might have been reading the story of that kid, Eli Bell, which is essentially just the story of Trent Dalton with a bit of um, fantasy thrown in. And, um, but I tell you, I started thinking quite deeply on it, not to go too far into it, but I started thinking, you know, the world right now, right? It's, um, I feel it's so divided sometimes, you know, it gets so divided. And I, I just love when we can all come together on anything of pop culture or art and particularly literature and go, hey, that kid, that Eli Bell is saying something that might be worthwhile. And and I just love the fact that perhaps, and I know not every 500,000, every person in that 500,000, you know, half of them probably threw the book across the, the hall, but, uh, but maybe a fair few of them really took the message that I was trying to get at, which was it gets good, right? It gets good. Life gets good. Just, you just have to be patient. And I don't know, I just felt that's really sweet to think, right now in this week where I feel like we're all really tired of this pandemic and we're all going through our own individual kind of journeys. And I just love the idea that maybe 500,000 people might've read that book and maybe gotten that message that it gets good. And Mm -hmm. and that um, all we need is kind of the love of, of, you know, the people in our houses and love of the people sometimes we can't speak to or hug and all that, but they are the people that are waiting for us at the other end of, of hardship and, and so, you know, it was pretty wild to see that number. Yeah. Well, I will say this. It was debut fiction. 
truly, I mean, none of us knew when you came in back then. <laughs> I knew it was good, but I hadn't seen anything take off to that degree. Debut fiction, um, and it was a matter of... So usually it takes a little while for word of mouth to build, but I remember with Boy Swallows Universe, it almost immediately hit the charts and has been on the charts ever since on the fiction bestseller list. And I know that because we, we tap into AC Nielsen Bookscan every week and well, I've seen it on there every week. Well, Cheryl, guess what I did two weeks ago? I, I just sort of, I don't know why. I'm just, why would I be doing these things? I, I just saw something and I went, oh, maybe I'll just check out where Boy Swallows You. It was the better reading top 10 I got on and it was your site that I saw mm-hmm. it. And I, I, I genuinely, I was in the kitchen. I said to my wife, Fiona, hey, get, guess what? Like Boy Swallows Universe is like still in the top 10. And, it, and you know, they're not our figures. They are uh, AC Nielsen books. Yeah, it's like real deal. Yeah, it's real it's, deal. It's real deal stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, mm. that, that, that blow. Yeah, it's Yeah, it's amazing. amazing. Okay, but we're here to talk about <laughs> All Our Shimmering yeah, Stars, book yeah, number two. Yeah. I am going to introduce you, award-winning, record-breaking, best-selling author. We've already talked about that. He needs no introduction at all. I know so many of you out there know him and love him. And also too, Trent, I'm just, this is veering away a little bit from my intro. You as an author have really connected with readers. And I think you've done that because you understand readers and you understand that readers have empathy. And I think that people, readers have really warmed to you. And I think that that is essential in this social media world. It, it really is. Oh, that's a lovely thing to say, Cheryl. I think, yeah. I think, um, thank you. Like, and that's, that, that is all coming from the, the stuff that is at the heart of Boyswell's universe, right? Mm. It's like the first 20 years of my life were, weren't the easiest. And so yeah, but 20 to 40 has been pretty, pretty great and mm. uh and i never ever for once forget how lucky i am to even talk to your better reading audience. well and you know i mean it's sort of so that that maybe a bit of that comes through so i'm really- i do i know i think your generosity comes across anyway i'm just saying that <laughs> i see it all the time i've seen a lot of authors but you are particularly generous and i really appreciate that oh mate thanks Cheryl. okay cool. so boy swallows universe has taken australia and the world by storm winner of book of the year in 2019 indie book awards winner of record for australian book industry award in 2019 and remember that night didn't we oh the best <laughs> Sorry for all the hugs. I'm sure you were just like, let me go. Will you let me go, you idiot? I loved it. (laughs) Including the prestigious Book of the Year Award and winner of the 2019 UTS Glenda Adams Awards for New Writing, the New South Wales Premier's Literary Award, and both the film rights and stage rights have sold. Now, Trent, he's here with his second book, All Our Shimmering Skies, a glorious novel destined to become another Australian classic. It's um, great really, really great. And it is a privilege, I'll say it again, to have you here today. I want to talk about the book because it is, what did I read today? Somebody said to me today or sent me an email and said, wow, it is so beautiful, but it is not Boy Swallows Universe. (laughs) And that's exactly what you want, right? Oh, that's so great to hear, Cheryl. You read a lot of books. You read a lot of books. So that's really cool. But absolutely. And, And that was a case of me saying, what do I need to write? You know, not not kind of even what do I want to write? It's like what I wanted to write was, you know, about medieval knights and trips up the Himalayas and a million other, a million and one other things. But what I needed to write was this story about this girl, Molly Hook. And, um, and it, it's so far removed from Boy Swallows Universe in the sense 
1942. It's historical fiction based on a lot of fact. And I ran from those things that I have spoken to you about previously, Cheryl, in Boyceville's Universe, which were pretty dark and traumatic things that I might have seen and, and things concerning prisons and drug addiction and and loss and violence and alcoholism and all of that stuff, right, which is in my DNA. Like it's kind of like it kind of made me the kind of writer that I am. And I was running from them a bit and I, I said, you know what, this is just what I need to write. And I had this idea of, of these gifts that fall from the sky. And then, then I thought, well, hang on, I don't have to run away from Boyce Weller's universe so hard though. You know, I, I can still write about these, this kind of fantastical novel and set and take my brain away to this beautiful place, which is the top end of Australia, but also I can still confront the things that I'm here for. Like I really believe Cheryl, I have a responsibility to write about the things I know, you know, and, and they are things like the way a child processes trauma. Like, it's the same theme of Boyce Waller's universe and it's, and I just couldn't escape it in all our streaming skies as well. So it's such a different book. You're so right. And, and yet it just is, there's so many themes in it that, that hopefully readers of Boyce Waller's universe will go, Oh yeah, it's definitely written by that bloke who wrote Boyce Waller's universe. So oh, for sure. For sure. You know, I thought, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, but it's sort of, but, but you, I mean, you're so right. You couldn't find a more, it's not Boyce Waller's universe. And, you know, and, and so many people are like, uh, you know, you're going to write the sequel to Boy Swallow's Universe. And and I sort of really, like, rebelled against that idea. And it's funny, though, now having done this book, Cheryl, I'm really into the idea of the Boy Swallow's Universe sequel. I've got a, I've never, I haven't said it yet, but I've really got a story for that. And I really can't wait to sort of get back into that world. So it's almost like when I say this was the book I needed to write, it was, it was, and I, and I needed to get it out of me, just like I needed to get Boy Swallow's Universe out of mm-hmm. me in order to dive back into the Boy Swallows universe world. You know, I want to talk about, know. you know, the process of leaving something behind and, you know, moving oh. on. And just even in terms of technical skills, like me talking to you, like I've had a podcast this morning, you know, where I was really entrenched in the conversation. It was with Terea Pitt, as we talked about right, um, yeah. before we started recording. And, you know, completely different, totally inspiring. <laughs> but for me to, I need to clear my head, right? Yes, so this is yes. a much smaller scale. You know, I'm not writing a book. So I went outside in the sunshine. I took a walk around the park and I'm super excited to be talking to Trent. Dalton, I've cleared my head. I've got all my notes in my head. So for you, it's about how do you kind of park what you've done, particularly because yours never ended. It's still <laughs> going and it's still on the bestseller list. But how yeah, do you park yeah. that, clear the head, so to speak, and sit down and write again? Yeah. And you know what? I was trying to park it. I was really trying to park yeah. it. And then I realized, you know what? You, you can't. know what, Cheryl, that that that's the book I really do feel Boyce Wells Universe was the book genuinely that I was put on this earth to write. I, and I, I'm right. so happy about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I will be for the rest of my days. And so mm. the minute if someone ever says to me, oh, you know, I still like Boyce Wells Universe better or whatever, I would be like, come here, you still get a hug, you know, because it's yeah. like I'm so proud of Eli Bell. And and now he sits in this kind of he, he is me and he's kind of he's, he, I'm so comfortable in his company you know and we're we're oh, made at the start of that journey of boy swallows universe like i was kind of physically ill by the whole thing even talking about it and because i was so terrified i was so worried that people might have cracks at people i love my mom and my three older brothers right and you know and maybe have a crack at my late father who's not here to defend himself you know and and who i've absolutely put in that book and so there was so much emotion wrapped up into it but the emotion never stopped because 
I'd go around Australia bloody talking about it. And then, and then you know what? After I'd talk about it, my mum would be listening to a podcast and then we'd go on my back deck and we'd be drinking Cointreau on ice and my mum would start telling me even deeper, darker, more staggering, more amazing tales of, of the Dalton family in the 1980s that I was perhaps too young to remember. So the story just gets richer and deeper and it just sort of becomes so wild and you can't let it go because you're just analysing it. And, you know, that book wasn't, it was me sort of, you know, I say to my mum all the time, it's like, mum, you know, I'm sorry you didn't raise a carpenter. I could have built you a cupboard, but uh, you you raised a writer. And I went and bloody wrote about that 1980s. But there's a flip side to that, Cheryl, of course, is that it's so cathartic and it's so wonderful that I get to chat to mum about those things and it's so good for her and and so good for me and, and, you know, so, but you do need at some point to park that and say, hey, Eli, Eli, I love you, kid. I love you so much and I love, I love you for everything you've done for me and he's done so much for me, Cheryl, like he's done so much. I mean, in terms of my dreams and I mean, in terms of my soul and in terms of um, my kind of genuine healing and so but I'm just going thank you for all that kid and it's been a wild two years but but there's this other girl um that I'm really sort of is forming in my life and this girl's making me weep you know I'm thinking about her and she's making me cry and and you know Molly comes from you know my daughter so it's like okay Eli came from me but I love I love my daughter so much more than me you know what I mean and it's like it's like so I'm so interested in Molly Hawk because I'm just trying to figure out my own daughters at the same time I'm writing that character. And so it's like, look, I love you, Eli, but I do need to park you for a bit. But, oh, mate, you're so right, Cheryl, what you say. And that's journalism too. In long-form journalism, you have to, as a magazine writer, one month I'm writing about Groot Island and um, neurodegenerative disease that affects the inhabitants on that island. And the next I'm writing about Shane Warne. And the next week I'm writing about domestic violence. And the next week after that, I'm writing about a lawyer, a, a defense lawyer. And so it's sort of like you have to park all those things in that, in that job. So that does help that ability to kind of go, all right, I'm an expert for one month on that topic. And, and, you know, I was an expert in the writing of Boyce Waller's universe on, on Kirk's soft drinks, on 1980s music, on 1980s drug dealing and uh, all of that stuff that I just dove into. But, um, uh, yeah, it's sort of, and then so, okay, park all that and now dive into 1942, you know. And And how did Molly come to you? I know she, uh, I certainly read that your girls were there. But where did the idea come to you? And had you definitely, it was post-publication of Boy Swallows Universe that you started writing or was it? I, I genuinely feel, Cheryl, I'm bullied around by the universe. Like it just, yeah. <laughs> it just bullies me around and kicks me up the backside and just sort of says, it, it really did form by a bunch of moments. So in my day job as a writer for the Weekend Oz magazine, you know, first thing I got sent to the Flinders Ranges in South Australia and I, I, I just got sent on a travel story to heli hike, dropped by helicopter on the top of the Flinders Ranges and hike up to the top of these ranges and kind of stand watching eagles, you know, eagles, wedgetail eagles soar. Okay, that was a moment. A couple of months after that, I found myself sleeping in a swag under the stars at Uluru. That was a hugely profound moment. I was in that campsite that's at the base of Uluru and, and over the fence, behind me where I was sleeping in my swag, I, you know, there were dingoes. There were just dingoes crawling around. That was a moment. And then I got sent up to Groot Island. Yeah, this thing on the, on, in Arnhem Land on the sort of wild coast of, Nor- of Northern Territory, as remote as Australia gets. 
to talk about this disease I mentioned before, this MJD, which is this terrible neurodegenerative disease that really strips away your ability to function physically, but leaves, you know, your, your mind intact and kind of, so you can feel your own kind of body wasting away and the tragedy of that. And there in the, in the foothills of, in the, in the, in the wild wilderness of Groot Island, which is genuinely magical. Like if I'm sure anyone it's, I mean, look, Australia and, Australia is magical. Like the whole everywhere in Australia, you know, if you just step out one hour outside of our cities is magical, but Groot Island has this particular kind of wonder to it that really struck me. And, and, and I was there and I'm talking to this bloke named Steve Buckler Waramara and uh, who's this, this charismatic kind of handsome dude who's just there. And he's talking quite deeply to me about the fact that his grandfather and his parents taught him bush magic knowledge now i'm too white and i'm too dumb to understand the full impact of what he was saying but when he's there and he's telling me that stuff in that environment after that cheryl i'd knocked off i'd done my notes for that day and i went and had a beer at the motel that i was staying at on Groot, and i looked up to the sky and I just said this mystical sort of couple of words to my late dad, who I mentioned before, who's basically Robert Bell in Boy Swallow's universe. And I said, can you believe this, dad? Like, can you believe this? You know, this is just in my head, but I'm, I'm getting really deep and I'm just going, dad, can you believe this? Like, I wish you could see this, mate. Like, wish you could see this. I'm on this island and I just had this beautiful moment with this guy and and the past year and a half dad has been the best bloody year and a half of my life because I wrote about us dad and I, I wrote about I wrote about our lives and I just coughed it all up dad I just sort of you know I'm man I'm getting emotional just thinking about it but it's like I'm just sort of channeling all this stuff and just process you know when you just finally stop and you just you just by yourself and you buy a beach and I don't know the sun's setting and you're just getting deep and then, um, you know, obviously that sky doesn't talk back or, you know, there's no mystical message from dad in, in, the, in the clouds or anything. But It's a mystic about- in the quiet. Oh, okay. Well, that's it, right? Don't you it's think? It's like finally I shut up. Yeah, finally it's just like stop thinking about my book and yeah. stop thinking about the ramifications of everything and just be quiet. Yeah. It's amazing. And that's why looking at the sky is so important to mm-hmm. do every now and then. And it's like... Yeah, and then I got thinking about what are those private conversations we have with the sky, and uh, and you know, and I got thinking even deeper about that, and going, well, you know what, we don't say anything trivial to the sky, and and that's very profound to me. These kind of personal conversations we would all be having with the sky, you don't you don't talk to that thing if you don't have something to say, either in gratitude or worry or fear or um, you know, um, or just talking to someone you've lost, you know, and, and, and I just got, I thought that's really powerful. And, and then, so, and then while I'm on this crazy ride across Australia doing all these things, I'd been thinking about this basically for 10 years, Cheryl, I've been thinking, I'd have always loved the story of basically I'm really deeply fascinated with Darwin as a city in itself anyway. And I have for the past 20 years, just been going back and forth to Darwin many times and uh, always fascinated with the bombing of Darwin, but also just the town and that it was kind of essentially the wild West on the Northern tip of Australia. And, uh, but particularly fascinated 
with this guy named Hajimi Toyashima. So Hajimi Toyashima. Sorry if I'm just rambling, mate, but I'll uh, no, I I promise it's getting story. somewhere. I love this story. Hajimi Toyashima was a Japanese fighter pilot and uh, he, he was in the first day of the bombing of Darwin. So bombing of Darwin went for many days and it was horrendous and 236 people lost their lives or more. They don't know the exact figure. And Hajimi Toyashima, he got struck by ground fire coming from the Aussies and his plane went down, his zero fighter plane went down on Melville Island, Australian soil. And I always have thought, what was Hajimi's first thought when he hopped out on that wondrous mm. landscape of Melville Island and in that top end, you know, that crazy landscape mm. of the top end and just went, where the hell am I and what is this place? Now, of course, Hajimi, um, he goes wandering, he's got a pistol, he's, he's hit his head on his, his, um, his con- control stick inside the the fighter, he's sort of injured, he's a bit groggy and um, he runs into a group of Indigenous and one of them, this incredibly brave man named Matthias Ulangara, he creeps up behind Hajimi and takes him prisoner, um, holding a tomahawk to his face and says, you know, you're coming with me. Matthias becomes basically the first Australian to capture a Japanese soldier on Australian soil. It's an incredible story. And so, you know, for 10 years, I've loved that story, Cheryl. I've always thought, wouldn't it have been amazing to have watched Hajimi coming down, to watch mm-hmm. Hajimi falling from the sky. And, mm-hmm. and that was just a kernel. That was a kernel. And then, you know what, what if I thought, what if actually Hajimi, uh, there was a deeper reason Hajimi had to come? And, mm-hmm. and what if, you know, and, and then I got thinking about sky gifts. And so then I started thinking about these four gifts that fall from the sky. And, you know, um, first gift is a map. The second gift is a friend. Third gift is a miracle. And the fourth gift is your end. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. So as I'm traveling around Australia, Cheryl, I'm thinking about all these gifts that are falling from the sky. And I thought, all right, if I could. And then I told my wife, I remember she was doing the laundry. She's going back and forth, putting the clothes in the washing machine. She went to the dunny. And I'm just telling her this story I'd created about Molly Hook, right? This girl. And then by the time Fee had hopped out of the dunny and she flushed the toilet, washes her hands, she turns to me and she says, that's a bloody great story. Yeah. And when when I when I hear that from Fiona, I'm like, all right, done, all right, yeah. it's time to write. And Particularly when she's doing the laundry, <laughs> the daddy, because she's distracted. You know, that's um, that's her that's her sort of quiet place. Yeah, that's it. That's I her. love how you describe the sense of place. I really love that. Lovely. I've yeah. been to Darwin a few times, right. and I remember the first time I was there. Maybe it was about ten years ago. I was so shocked at how diverse it was. Isn't how, it? 
unique that that yeah. landscape was. Also, when that plane door opened, back when we were catching planes, the smell of that city. It smells, yeah. It, it's, it's different. A, it's a city that operates on every sense and it truly does. Hey, it, I, yeah. you've reminded me of that. And, and I, you know what, to the point where I'm going, damn, I wish I wrote more about the smells because you're so right. And then you yeah. go to a market and you're yes. just, and it's just coming at you thick and it's the whole world. It's the smell of the entire world because there are so many different cultures and so many yeah. different nations that meet in that place and they've all found themselves in Darwin for a reason, you know, you don't, you don't come to Darwin by chance, you know, you're either running to something or you're running from something. And and it's such a transformative place. And over the years it has transformed everyone from Greeks to, to Thais to, you know, you just, you name it. It's just so diverse. There's so many people up there. You know, I really, and I went back a couple of times after that and really was just very, very interested in the landscape and how, I mean, and I'm sure it hasn't been that over the years, but how harmoniously people live, you know, it does, everyone seems to have found their feet. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I feel like it was the birthplace of multicultural Australia yeah. and, and it's sort of, and um, everyone in Darwin knows it. Like you go up to Darwin and you're like, yeah, man, we've been, we've been doing all this stuff for years, yeah. you know, and it's like the rest of Australia <laughs> took a while to catch on, but it's like, yeah, it, it, it was just a thriving functioning, you know, at times dark, but at times completely wondrous place. And it's sort of, and for me, it was just such fertile ground to set yeah. that book. And and Molly Hook can't get enough of it. The character in my book can't get enough of that world. So she's yeah. she's kind of just like me in the sense of that's how I feel when I go to Darwin. I'm, I made her sort of feel like I do, which is kind of being on the edge of the awe of 60,000 years of Indigenous culture and being on the edge of the awe of the Chinese history mm-hmm. and, uh, and the edge of the awe of, of the gold mining history and the awe of the bloody pubs and the blood houses and, and the, the rough houses. So, so I'm kind of awed by all that stuff as well and that's how Molly Hook goes and sees that world in the book. She just can't get enough of the experiences and so great you're talking about the smell and, and the sound and that's Molly. She's just drinking all that in. She's mm. just taking all that in and she's such a funnel for all that stuff. Tell me about your experience of releasing a second book. I mean, how many days has it been out? It's well, it's still uh, it's still about to come out. Sure, we're, oh, we're like yeah, officially September twenty nine is when it'll be. Sort oh, of out, okay, but, but I think it's going to be received beautifully. Oh, sure, that's nice to hear. That's really what good. I want to talk about is your experience of this release versus the last one because now you're um, at home. And yeah. you can't get out and yeah. you're connecting with readers in a different way. I want to <laughs> first say to you, and you and I talk about readers a lot, and I feel that they've got a tremendous empathy. They are truly, the, the, I can say that we never have a bad experience with trolling or anything else. Our readers, oh, you know, recently uh, Tara Winch-Jones, yeah. um, who I adore for The Yield, had some trolling on her own Insta site and we made an announcement about the Miles Franklin. And can I tell you, a thousand likes, a squillion comments, and everybody adored her. My community is out there in the ether, but gee, I wanted to hug them. Oh, that's so beautiful. Isn't it? Oh, it's it's the better reading community. It's It's well, that's what I'm talking about. The readers who I was so worried about, and it was foolish of me to worry about the better reading community. Why would I? Because I was so terrified that people might go, oh, Trent, I hate your book. And the way you, you seem to have compassion for drug addicts or you seem to have compassion and find the goodness in an alcoholic or 
who knows? Who knows, right? You're just worried that you're going to get trolled somehow. Mm. And you guys in that amazing community of yours, mate, they just go, hey, this is my dad or this is my auntie or, you know. That, and also that they've read issue. everything. They've read it. They uh, read people's stories. Uh, they hear people's well, stories. Well, this is my, you know, my great theory. Yeah. Readers are a highly evolved species. They are yeah. novel readers because the novels have taught them to see the world in more colours than black and white. And, and I just think it's so great that what you're talking about with Tara, and I just think it's so true and it's so horrendous that that woman would get that <laughs> stuff elsewhere. And I'm so glad that there are communities where she can be perfectly safe and just knowing that she's awesome and brilliant and just isn't she brilliant oh man you know and and so important and and you know and i just hate this world where someone gives of themselves like that you know and and there are negative experiences of it that Mm. just breaks my heart i find that just utterly um awful isn't it yeah yeah so this experience is different because yeah, yeah. we're connecting with people through social media. But I want to tell you another story about my readers. Sorry, yeah. I can't stop talking about no, it. No, please, this. please, I want to hear it. So when COVID hit, I'm like, oh, God. I mean, you know, I just didn't know what was going to happen, you know. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. So anyway, we just got like head down, bum up, and I came up with this idea to start doing Facebook Live events. So we were one of the first or the first people to do it. And I said to my team, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give Australian authors 30 minutes every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock to do whatever they want with that spot. (laughs) It's theirs and they can do it. We will show them how it works. And they've got, because we're all in isolation, they'll have to do it from the comfort of their own home. And so we launched that and Candace Fox was our first one. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant job, right? But what I didn't realise is how much the readers were going to love it. I wasn't, (laughs) for some reason, I wasn't thinking, but I was thinking of doing something for the authors, for Australian authors. But what we gave to our readers was something that a lot of them have never had. Some of them had never been able to get to an event, maybe because of age, maybe because they live remotely. Oh, that's really interesting. Yes. Yes. And all of a sudden, I've got this audience that were just hanging. Oh, there still are every Wednesday night. That are just hanging and waiting. And every Wednesday night, honestly, Trent, I get all these thank you emails. Well, I, I, I see that as honestly not just an act of generosity. The fact, right, can you believe it? Like it's, you got to go to a little bit of effort, right? you got to get yeah. on your computer. you got to get your yeah. Zoom account. you got to got yeah. to get in there. you got to get your yeah. headphones, get all your tech stuff sorted. You know what's so much easier? Whack on the television and watch the block, right? Yes. But yet all these people, all these yep. people choose this act of generosity and I genuinely believe it's like an act of activism. It's actually actively saying I support Australian books and Australian mm-hmm. authors and an Australian reading community. You know, I find it, I have found it amazing and, and the fact that it has sustained itself for so many months is incredible, right? Like mm-hmm. I thought maybe, yeah, it would be interesting for the first two months or something, but the fact you're still getting those people turning up, you know, you know, this far into this thing, I find that really inspiring. Well, I think they're not going to go away, Trent. I think yeah. we will we'll go back to live audiences for sure and that yeah. will happen in the future. Yeah. But I think it's going to happen hand in hand because yeah. there are people who can't physically get to a live audience. Well, that's right. Yeah, I mean, even on my last sort of, you know, Boyce Wells Universe stuff, I ne- I was never able to get out to... Winton, Queensland, exactly. and you know some, so you know rural Victoria, or you know we just didn't 
have the time or the know-how, you know, the, the, the space and the schedule or whatever to get out there. Now, all those, I think you're so right. We'll see definitely live events and we'll see really well-tailored events that are just for just certain areas of Australia that will never be able to see these things otherwise. It's so, that's actually genuinely exciting, isn't it? It really is. And you know what you'll find, and you've just started them, and I've seen that you've committed to so many, again, a lot of generosity <laughs> by you. I'm telling you, it is so true. Uh, but you do yourself a favour, and you probably do do this, at the end of the night, after each event that we run, I read the comments because, you know, they make me so happy. Oh, it's beautiful. That it's, make well, you happy. Yeah, I've got to do that. And you know what? That's that's the stuff. Well, yeah. that's why I'm such a douchebag on Twitter and stuff. Like you <laughs> see me, Cheryl. Like I, I mean, I don't know if you've, but you know, any anything any anyone sends me, I'm like, thank you so much. You don't know what it means. Like it's, mm. Like, mm. I am such a ball of anxiety. Um, I have such a lack of faith in anything um, in my ability, and uh, and so when you see a message like that and someone going, hey this meant this and this meant mm-hmm. that and thank you for taking the time. That, that's huge to me and you know, just, it's so good for us to do that and to go, Isn't oh, that's why I do it. That's why you do it. You know, someone just told me why I do it, you know, and that's mm-hmm. why you're doing this amazing better reading stuff that you do mm-hmm. tirelessly. Mm-hmm. I just find that really amazing and, yeah, I, yeah, hats off to the better reading community. They're just, so have you been s- incredible. They are. They're wonderful. I love them. Um, listen, have you started writing your third novel? Yeah, yeah, I have, I have. I've been, um, you know what, it's been somewhat of a journey because this All Our Shimmering Skies has really freed things up. Like it really kind of set off a bit of a chain reaction of storytelling in my brain because I kind of realised by the end and literally the last words that are spoken in that book and, you know, I was kind of crying in the back end of the writing of that book because I was just sort of so mixed up with emotion and, and kind of for the characters. I was so involved in the characters and terrified for them. But I was also just going, I'm kind of excited, Cheryl, and I, and I realised maybe there's more stories I can tell and, and that got me really excited. And, and I've spent my whole life, like probably from about the age of 19 or 18, 19, just writing notebooks and writing ideas in notebooks. And so... For about two months, I, I spent a long time going back through those notebooks and then also at the same time building more notebooks of ideas. And so then I paired back about 10, like really pretty fully sort of formed kind of strong ideas. And then oh, literally, like probably about a month ago, I got the chill down my spine, which I was sort of waiting for. The one that kind of really spoke to me, you know, slapped you over the, the head with a cold fish and just went, Trent, this is the one you've got to write. Not the one you think is just a cool story. And and there was a little twist in it that kind of just gave me even more kind of thrills. And and then I love the characters. And then so all those things need to fall in place. And so now I've, um, yeah, I'm just doing this really fun thing just with a pen and actual proper note paper and just, you know, going into little corners of Brisbane and just taking notes on this story, um, this third book. And I, and I can't. I can't wait to kind of um, just give it everything and just I'm, I'm actually genuinely excited about where it can go. Okay, well, we've got to finish up, but I do want to ask you one last question. Yeah. I think one of our earlier conversations very early on was that you thought that, you know, you were, weren't sure whether you're going to call yourself an author yet. Like, were you really a writer? Because <laughs> oh, you man. even were worried about what you call, you know, whether you're a journalist or not still and you'd been working yeah. that for so many years. Yeah. So yeah. I want to know now, are you an author? <laughs> Oh, you, Cheryl, that's terrible. Don't do that to me. You know, because honestly, like, am I, like, like, there, there's like, 
there's a published, there's two published books, right? Oh, there's three. There's like that. Yeah. Anyway, like there's, and, and I'm like, I guess I am, you know what I mean? But it's this. I think weird, you could pick that box. Do you think, do you think so? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, should I write that on my passport? Like, I think you know, so. And I think wow. you should write at the bottom of your email. I think you're there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. And that's, that's what I never came to terms with. What should I actually put on the bottom of my, you know, is it ridiculous to sort of just go author, Boyce Holly's universe, or is it just yeah. like author? That's it. You know what I mean? I think, like, cause, cause I do I think ca- it's author. I, yeah. That's it. Yeah, I know because all, all what I do now, like I'm moving closer, right, to accepting yeah. it. Like normal, sometimes I say author, Boyce Hall's universe. That's all I'll say. So it's like saying bricklayer, Queensland Museum, you know, it's like, but it, it's like, you know, I helped build this, I did that, you know, but not just saying that's what I do. So it's kind of like maybe there comes a time where, all right, by, by the time this third one comes, Cheryl, if you get an email from me and it just says it Trent Dalton have. author, you're yeah. going to have a massive hand in that. So I'll be thanking you. <laughs> I'm going to take a photo of it and put yeah, it on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, he page. did it. He finally did it. He, <laughs> he finally did. accepted it. Thank you so much. I love talking to you. Always a pleasure. Congratulations, Trent. Um, I'm so happy for you genuinely couldn't have ended my day in a better way. Thank you, Cheryl. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape Imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere, everywhere. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.